Hello, I'm Kiyomi. And I'm Olivia. And you're listening to Marriage Guys, the podcast where sometimes we talk about weddings, but always ramble on like a CW character having a breakdown. <laughs> How you doing this week, Sweet Cheeks? <laughs> doing all right. Sweet Cheeks for me. Sweet Cheeks for me. Sweet Cheeks for you today. I'm actually doing well. It's been a good week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a all over the map week, but like, <sighs> like I'd say for the most part, it's pretty good. Good. Yeah. We did our 10K. Ooh, yeah. If you mm-hmm. remember when we talked about uh, two weeks ago, we had Diana on our podcast talked about the uh, 5k 10k half marathons for murdered missing indigenous women um with groups across north america Mm -hmm. so we did our 10k Mm -hmm. and we split it up on wednesday and sunday yes (laughs) um and finished that up and yeah felt good to do it did it felt really good we did 6.5 kilometers on wednesday and then felt it on the thursday Mm. yeah go through neighborhoods that we might not normally Mm -hmm go through um like driving there's no reason we'd go through there walking maybe but yeah to go through those areas and just like think about where we are (laughs) think about the land that we're on uh and just like uplift the you know missing voices exactly yeah it was beautiful it was was really nice yeah it was nice other than that um clara's been a little nightmare child mostly for you mostly for me she's been like she honestly hasn't been bothering me that much but you've been terrorized (sighs) i've had some weird experiences with her this week (laughs) Like, as we <laughs> talked about, she's on new food now and a new feeding schedule. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay. Like, twice a day instead of three times a day. Right. She doesn't understand that it's more food at each meal. But, like, <laughs> she's got to get that kidney supplement every 12 hours. So we have to, like, keep her on a strict schedule. She's like, mm, I don't live in a scheduled world. You're on Clara's time. Yeah. So, like, six in the morning, it's just her being like, hey, 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 hey. She hasn't been bothering me, though. Oh, yeah. I'm the one who wakes up for it. I've got that strong, that big mom energy for her. (laughs) So, like, I lock her to the bedroom so she stops terrorizing us and just, like, hangs out. But instead, she headbutts the bedroom door for, like, two hours. And she's so small. (laughs) Is she just, like, perma-concussed? Probably. that she is. We haven't talked about it here. I've mentioned when she was a kitten... She'd just run through the house, and the number of times <laughs> she'd collide with the corner of a, like, the oh, hallway, or we had, at my parents' house, where they have um, French doors dividing part of the house, and they would have one French door open and the other one closed, and that whole space, a cat that's like two inches wide, and she'd manage to just run into the closed portion of the door. So Hi. yeah, perma-concussed cat. Perma-concussed. Mm-hmm. I opened it- the door eventually to feed her. And she just yells at me like she's giving me a talking to a bear. Like, it's breakfast time. We've had a lot of conversations this week. I was home alone with her and I was in the other room and I heard in the living room just like crash. And I went out and be like, are you okay? And she had tried to jump on top of the piano, which is her favorite spot for a sunbeam. But there was like books and papers up there and she knocked a bunch over and slid back with it and i went out was uh-huh. like you good because i just saw stuff on the floor and this wide-eyed cat and she was like wow and i went tried to walk towards her to be like you okay and she just ran at me across the living room going wow i'm like dude and she hides under the bar cart and i'm like are you hurt she goes wow and just like jumps around i think she was embarrassed <laughs> that checks <laughs> i think she was embarrassed she's usually so slick and agile and she fell and she was like i'm better than this mom just screaming <sighs> it's just been a lot of us screaming at each other this week it's been great <laughs> she's 
She's a she's a nightmare, but we love her. Speaking um, of nightmares that we love. Speaking of nightmares. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Um, we've been so deep into the really bad, like... Reality shows. Reality shows. the first one we watched? It was your idea. Oh my god, Too Hot to Handle. Too Hot to Handle. Are you guys... Are, are all of y'all at home familiar with Too Hot to Handle? Because it's gross. It is a nightmare of a program in which a number of hot and sexy Instagram <laughs> kids... Kids. You they're adults. I mean. they're, they're adults. They're, they're adults. They're like in their 20s. Everyone is a consenting adult. Yeah. To be very clear. <laughs> but they're like, oh, like, I'm I'm a fitness instructor. I'm a part-time model and waxer. I don't know what their jobs are. One of them is an accountant. One of them is an accountant, which is hilarious. But they go on to this reality show, I think, with like little context of what Wait, they're up to. Under, like, most of like, the prompts they were given was like, are you sexual? <laughs> <laughs> island resort and they're like yeah we have this reality show it's great it's about like just sexy young people in an island resort having a nice time and they're like great and they get there and they're all good and they're like wow all of you are so attractive like i can't wait to just bone down with all of you i'm ready to get sexual and then like they're there for a few hours and their little like robot chaperone is like "Mm, about that though there's a prize but there's conditions if you are physical in any way we will take away from that what is it a hundred thousand dollars it's a hundred thousand dollar pot that they can win at the very end mm-hmm. um but only if they show emotional growth and the work to like form lasting pe- last yeah create lasting connections with other people but yeah any form of physical contact that's like deemed romantic or sexual has a financial like fee or like mm-hmm. a toll <laughs> so yep. they, kissing is they lose three thousand dollars yeah, it gets real so specific as they're there longer. And oh, yeah. They're... But then, like, the robot, it's bleeped everything out. They're like, there was a breach of rules last night. So-and-so, they kissed each other. And then they, with their, and then with, all over the, for the total cost of $16,000. It was one of the worst things I've ever watched. We watched all of it over the course of a day and a half. It's not even been rainy. It's been nice out. But we're like, what if we watched some really bad Netflix reality TV? And the best part is they all, like, none of them were, like, they were conventionally attractive, but they were all just so gross (sighs) that you're like, sure. I'm not rooting for any of you. You're like, I don't, I'm not interested in any of you. I'm not rooting for any of you. (laughs) The one guy who's an accountant was, like, real good about not getting involved with anyone because he's like doing the math all the time. He's like, well, if they made out and they made out, that's another, which brings our total down to you guys, you guys. And then you divide that up. You guys. (laughs) He's always doing math. We watched that. We also watched, my God, we've, we've just watched TV this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we had a busy week, but we've also had time for so much. Um, My favorite of these reality shows, not new. (sighs) No. And an older season. It's like, it's the most recent season. And it's the last one they've filmed. I don't know if they're they're done now. But um, Are You the One, which just for the general concept, if you're not familiar with Are You the One, is they put a whole bunch of singles on an island and they have been matched up like professional matchmakers and relationship psychologists mm-hmm. and all those have like figured out their quote, you know, perfect match. On paper. On paper, at least, right? And their job is to try and figure out who all 
of those perfect matches are, but with no context clues, they just have to figure it out. And then we watched the eighth season, which was their first queer season. So everybody on there is like bisexual, pansexual, like some kind of sexually fluid identity. Mm -hmm. So for the first time ever, anyone on the island could be your perfect match. It's not just that half of the room. Um, it's not a middle school dance. It's not a middle school dance. <laughs> Everybody is fair game. Yep. Um, and it's wild. This one has a $1 million mm-hmm. pot that they'll split at the very end. I'm just going off on this one oh, apparently yeah. now. Because it was really good. And again, we watched all of this over the course of like two days. Two days, yeah. So they're all great. And this time, because they're all queer, they're actually all very attractive. Mm-hmm. And like all redeeming in their own ways. They're even all when super they're, cute. Even when they're like frustrating and idiots, you're all like... Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So they do, like, challenges and games that are meant to, like, be like, here, like, everybody partner off with somebody you may want to go on a date with. See what your communication styles are like. And then, like, it's, like, the three winners of the challenge, the three couples who win or something like that. They, I know. (laughs) Um, Like, three couples will get to go on, like, an exclusive date where they have an activity. Oh, yeah, they're always activities. Like, we're going to go snorkeling and then they get like quality time where they have like drinks and like snacks they can just chat get to know each other and while they're on that date everyone back at the house has to figure out which of those couples they want to send into a room called the truth booth oh my god it's just horrifying where they go in that's the only way to get official confirmation if a couple is a perfect match they go in there and the thing scans them and is like not a match or a perfect match so if they're a perfect match they get sent away from the island they get to go into a honeymoon suite Mm -hmm. and keep playing but this is so complicated and like 10 minutes of just talking about this show right. that I'm obsessed with. Remember we went from doing book club to doing reality TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's really great. So then they do that and like, you know, are they going to get a perfect match or not? Um, and then after they've deemed whether they got a perfect match or not, the next big activity, like they got tons of social time and two to actually get to know each other. And I think every episode is actually filmed over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. So they're really getting the time to know people. At the end of that, they have a matchup ceremony where they get called on one by one and they pick somebody who's in the house that they think is their perfect match and go sit with them. And then they reveal how many of those pairings are actually perfect matches by shining just beams of light into the sky, which we were talking yes. like. My favorite thing every episode, I'm like, so they're on like. They're Kona. On, yeah, they're on Kona, Hawaii. I'm like, please tell me that someone on like a neighboring island is like, what is happening on that island? Are they, do they need help? Is this Morse code? It's like the PNE lights. They're oh yeah, so just like bright. a big spotlight into the sky. But yeah, the concept is they have to get all eight beams because every beam represents a perfect match, mm-hmm. but they don't know which one of the couples are those perfect matches. They get all eight, they win the prize, game's over. They get no lights at all, or they don't get any additional lights other than the perfect matches. They already know that it's a blackout. They lose like a quarter of the pot. Yeah. Anyhow, it's fun. It's yeah. really messy. It was great. Some of them are super messy. Some of them are just like the most perfect angelic evolved humans and you just root for all of them regardless oh it's, it's great it's wonderful of, like the nonsense that we've watched recently i feel the least bad about that one yeah yeah oh absolutely oh you thought we were done with reality tv we've also got drag race down under yeah which uh, rupaul's going through something right now <laughs> right oh uh. my god drag race down under which was like there's a couple people that i was excited about yeah like kind of by excited about i mean like I was familiar with two of the names. <laughs> right. Because it's, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty messy. 
one of the front runners was eliminated in one of the very early episodes. Spoiler so it's, alert. Uh, we're not saying who it is. It's true. It's fine. But yeah, it's um it's a wild time. It's a wild time. And it's that's just a reality what we've show been up to this week. Jeez. Um, if you can tell from our TV habits, it's time for a drink. Yeah. Um, this week we are running through these blushing brides. Yeah. We're on to blushing bride number two. Number two. Three weeks in a row. It's a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Sports. Sports terms. Hockey. Um, as usual, we don't have a location marker for the blushing brides because, I don't know, these weren't there. Mm. Um, tell, but can you tell us, like, about what you've done for our drink this week? Absolutely. So my... Blushing bride number two for this week's cocktail hour is made with two ounces of Sheringham Distillery's Rhubarb Gin, half an ounce of honey syrup, and three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, or an ounce, depending on how tart your lemon is. Disclaimers. And a dash of celery bitter. Mm. Um, To make this darling little drink, it's very simple. Just put all of your ingredients in a cocktail shaker and shake with ice. The drink is in a coupe glass, which we're going to give a rim of rhubarb sugar. So take your coupe glass that is garnished with its sugar rim and you fine strain your cocktail into said coupe glass. Mm -hmm. The final product is going to be simultaneously very tart and sweet with a lingering savory finish. Yum. Yeah. Um, We've used Sheringham products before in our cocktails. They're a distillery on Vancouver Island that is now located in Souk, BC, which is just like the most idyllic little seaside Canadian town. Super cute. Yeah. We got to go last summer, which was Mm -hmm. lovely as things started to reopen. We... Actually, briefly. <laughs> very briefly, we went to the distillery and picked up this bottle that we're using today. It's a London dry gin, but it's made with fresh rhubarb that is much like this cocktail. It's a little bit tart and sweet, and it has some really interesting botanical notes from the gin base, but also from the tannic structure of the rhubarb does some really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to make this at home and you're wondering about honey syrup, it's very, very simple. You are combining equal parts honey and boiling water. Honey is basically culinary antifreeze. <laughs> It's true. (laughs) If you add it to a cocktail on its own, it'll seize and it won't incorporate itself. So it needs to be made into a proper syrup. Uh, Like if you had a honey-based ice cream, it's like it's diluted with something because it just won't freeze. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just so thick. Exactly. Another ingredient we should go over if you want to make this at home, rhubarb sugar. Any kind of fruit sugar that you are using for like a rim or anything Mm -hmm. or kind of decorative sugar items. It is so easy. It is one of the oldest tricks in the book that I learned when I was young and baking and making like... (laughs) various little treat things take like if you have rhubarb juice or puree yeah. or like some stewed rhubarb take like half a teaspoon and put it into a cup of sugar and put it into a tupperware container and just shake it until it's like brightly colored and combined. okay 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 yeah. super easy yeah very impressive if you're i don't know impressing your roommate because <laughs> i don't know who you're having a cocktail party with right now um that's very easy and celery bitters are one of my favorite sneaky ingredients to put into mm. a cocktail I literally, I use them in everything. It is my so favorite. Um, they're really delicate, but they provide some nice, like, subtle savory notes that balance out and add complexity to who, would, in this case, would just be another refreshing fruity beverage. It just gives it that little elevated touch. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Let's not clink our glasses into the microphone today. Yeah. It's too much. What do you think? Um, well, I can tell you right away that you've um, easily one-upped our existing blushing bride number two for this week, um, which was... Every time I get excited to tell you about it and I forget I have to learn what it is. Right? And um, blushing bride number two is but three ingredients. It's my favorite thing. Coke? I swear to God if it's No, coke. it is cranberry juice, um, 
orange juice on the recipe card it specified OJ and Tito's vodka. <sighs> well, how nice for them. <laughs> Cranberry juice, OJ. And Tito's vodka. I like the specification of Tito's vodka. Tito's vodka. I thought you would like that. Ugh. I thought you'd like that. Well, that's upsetting. Um, I won't just want to move on from that right away sure. if we can. Yeah. Um, this week, our theme is a little different. We were actually able to do something which we haven't mm-hmm. gotten to do a lot of, which was go on a date. A date? We went on a date we, this week. Did you know we're dating? We're dating. It's very gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> We also, we've hardly gone anywhere since last March. Mm-hmm. We've very much stayed at home. We've not seen other people. So it was very exciting to get ourselves presentable and go down to the town responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so we were lucky enough to be able to go see Imagine Van Gogh at the Vancouver Convention Center, uh, which will be here in Vancouver until August 29th. Non-spawn, but right? hey, Imagine Van Gogh, if you want to sponsor us. Right, that'd be neat. Uh, so if you live within the Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health region, or if you know this show is coming to your area in the future, which I know, I think it's coming to Edmonton, uh, Tacoma, Washington. Areas. Other areas. Those are the ones closest <laughs> yeah. to us that are big. But it's a global um, event, so look into it. But if it. you know it's coming to your area in the future and haven't already got tickets, um, highly recommend doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get into it more, we just want to state that, like, Imagine Van Gogh with, with the Vancouver Convention Center have created an incredibly safe public event space. Um, like, limited access capacity, mandatory masking, and contract tracing, and plenty of space to adequately social distance from others it is the convention center so they've mm-hmm. taken up multiple ballrooms um so there is that space and i think they've got like i think it's a 50 person capacity something about the energy of this event like every person was following that contact to a t there mm-hmm. was no masks under your nose there was no people crowding you like everybody was on great behavior and just happy to be there and having a good oh, yeah. time oh yeah yeah um the event itself is incredible if you're not familiar, it's an immersive visual art experience designed to blend the senses and allow the viewer to experience the work of Van Gogh that is extremely, in a way that's just very intimate and emotionally stirring in a way mm-hmm. that you don't get from looking at a print on a wall. Yeah. It's like the, the audio-visual medium of uh, Image Total, which mm-hmm. is the sort of this new thing we're sort of seeing with this um, production. Um, it combines multi-image projections of the artwork and immersive audio. Um, to put the listener or the viewer into the artwork and the world of its creator. Mm. And the overall effect is just humbling and overwhelming in all the best ways that you you hope art can be, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure at this point we've all been in a smaller social setting, like a grocery store or honestly like a park on transit, and been alarmed by the frenzy of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have been working with the public this entire time and I set the rules and the guidelines and have made my workspace really safe Mm -hmm. and like I felt safer at this event than I do in my workplace where I set the boundaries everybody was so good at this room of like 50 some people we felt so safe and comfortable the whole time very much there was no question of like having your guard up you could just relax and let go and enjoy yeah Mm -hmm. yeah very very that it was yeah. beautiful. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Like when you, when you walk in the, the first part, I think if you've seen the ads for it, you see you've seen like the images of like the artwork. But the first thing you go into is just a series of 
like information panels essentially about both the installation itself mm-hmm. and the creators that image total but also like important things about van gogh's life mm-hmm. and his work his, his work, residencies his mental health yeah his mental health which was like that was one of the biggest things like i feel like most of us are if you if you're from you know familiar with van gogh more than just his name like you know that you know, he's an artist. Yeah. <laughs> Van Gogh is one of those artists who, like, is extremely, you know, is hyped. Mm-hmm. Every person, despite your, any level of, like, art history awareness, if you are just, like, someone who enjoys it versus someone you who know. has gone to school, who works in galleries, whatever, you know who Van Gogh is and you have an idea. But it's, you often, there's the idea of, like, oh, a person is overhyped. Like, it's fine. I don't need to know about them. Van Gogh is that person who, like, has transcended that idea where we know, yeah. everybody knows who Van Gogh is, they have some level of understanding and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. His work is very powerful. And unfortunately, we really only grew an appreciation for after his life. But Yeah, which I think they one of the panels talks about that too. Mm-hmm. It's something very interesting and it's fr- frustrating when you're a living artist. But yeah. one of the you know common thing for artists is that while they're alive and producing their art, it's it's laughed at or it's not appreciated in the same way. And then once they posthumously what they've done, and especially if they're someone like Van Gogh, who's this great artist and all these things is that was really appreciated posthumously, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. But you know, as a living artist, that really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, but really beautiful. What were your favorite parts? Um, I don't know if there was any specific, just really, really specific components, but um, sometimes they just showed it was just like the art itself with so that, but um, periodically they would show. We think we talked about this. Um, they would show either sketches, mm-hmm. um, like in, like those first initial sketches of a piece. Um, also did like photographs, but I think the sketches were my favorite. Um, there was one that we saw that it was like houses and water, and there were boats and things like that. And if you looked at the sketches. Um, he had written, like, scribbled into the spaces of stuff, like, what colors he was going to be or was planning to use. So, like... Very paint by numbers. Very paint by numbers. He'd have, like, the, um, you know, the sails on the boat, this boat that were just written in the margins just said, blanc. You know? (laughs) It was going to be white. And then it would transition into the painting that he created after. And sure enough, those colors were all there. And I thought was... But really, really, really cool to see those initial first that early part of the artistic process of like making those fish sketches to the final product and mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool what about you um honestly like from start to beginning it was all really incredible mm-hmm. there's obviously like there's the big name pieces of his that you know that you see but also everything in between was just exceptional and you got a better understanding of his portfolio mm-hmm. and line of work right which is we're all familiar with like the yeah. Japanese cherry trees, Starry Night, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy hitters. Yeah, the heavy hitters. But like, yeah, he has yeah. an exceptional, just collection of work, and yeah. it was all really beautiful to see. But also, just like one of the weird, tiny little details that I really enjoyed was the floors changed as well. It wasn't just like, yeah, oh, I forgot. Yeah, so they had stylistic mm-hmm. floors and tilings that were projected onto the floor that changed with the styling and periods, which yeah. was really, really neat. Sometimes it was like patterns from like the floral work that was in the painting. Sometimes we'd see paintings and then it was the 
actual like the patterning of the f- wooden frames they were in that was projected. Yes. So it wasn't the paintings themselves, but just the wood frames that was patterned across the floor. It was, it was very cool. It was really neat. And there's like the musical accompaniment, which was exceptional and just helped really bring you into the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the pieces, too, is funny, so when it was, which has become one of your favorite yeah. uh, pieces of music, is um, uh, Eric Satie, the Gymnopédie number no. one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, which weirdly has worked its way into a lot of different things in our life, and like weird games and shows yes. we've watched that have just snuck it in there. Yes. We've played a lot of weird online escape rooms, and one of them <laughs> featured... Yes. Then the Van Gogh bedroom. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can we really quick? I think we had mentioned this and we hadn't acknowledged it when we did our walkthrough today. Um, Because we did not go on, get to go on a lot of dates early in our relationship because we were either really busy or locked down. We did a lot of online escape rooms <laughs> at home because it was just like something fun to do that wasn't watching TV. It was something interactive mm-hmm. and that we got to like communicate and use our like, minds. You, yeah. Keep our brains active. And we found one that we didn't realize as a series and we're like oh that's cute it's like very beautifully stylistic and realized that we had like gone stumbled halfway through hole. halfway through an extremely bizarre dutch surrealist series of escape rooms that are like low-key the horror cube. the cute they're called the cube they're really fun but of course we saw one that was like the birthday party and we're like oh neat a birthday party that'll be cute and then it was like you go through the weird story of this person's trauma is like the his paranormal mom murders them. It's the paranormal mom murders. Anyhow, if you but like escape rooms, the reason we're talking about this, there is a feature that is Van Gogh's bedroom. Yeah, that you paint like you know that work and like there's a weird part where you like go into his ear through his brain but like a lot of the music that was used for this exhibition was also played in the game. So that was like another weird tie of like <laughs> Van Gogh is such an early part, big part of our early relationship. Right? It was this so weird strange. game that we played to have something to do. Um, but yeah, no, everything about it was just really exceptional and like, honestly, would go again. Like, very much mm-hmm. so. I'm also just hoping that there's more exhibitions like this that use the image chateau. Like, it's brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. It gives you a better understanding of something that's so, it's like a fixture in modern culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons why we wanted to go to the show, but. One of them is more personal to you and I, and one of the major places Van Gogh worked or created an amount of his well-known work is Arles, a town in southern France on the Rhone River Delta. Mm -hmm. And weirdly, is a place that you and I have both spent time, but like separately. It's very specific, and yet we... I went with my choir. Right? (laughs) I went with my mom. I also went on a school trip when I was like 14. (laughs) We even stayed in the same hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. Very strange overlap, but in a time where we can't travel, it was really, it was a beautiful bonding experience to immerse ourselves in a town and landmarks that we've both cherished from separate travels, but can't see together right now. Right. Weird little, like, side note, fun fact, and like, amidst all of our, like, wanderlust being all not to be able to travel right now, and just like, imagine the future. We had like, a, a period where we just kind of looked up houses and things in different <laughs> yes. parts of the world we could live, but the first place we were like... What if we lived in Arl, this weird little small town? There's like not much around it. Like <laughs> its claim to fame is Van Gogh. Right. So like, um, but yeah, I like yeah. I found this the um, Imagine Van Gogh event like just be really beautiful and really powerful, mm-hmm. and like such a safe and social event to be able to attend. Like as we're slowly re-entering society, like as a whole, mm. as you know vaccinations go up etc and we're able to do that um 
And I think, like, as you mentioned, like, there was this palpable kinship amongst ourselves and all the other people where in that room, we all, everyone just sort of felt on this equal plane. Like, we all knew what we were doing there. Everyone understood each other. And, mm. and like, for me personally, and I'm, and I'm sure, like, you yourself and many other people, like, there was this added emotional impact of just being immersed in a live arts event. Yeah. Um, like, as someone who relies on that medium for, like, both livelihood and well-being, because you're not going to the arts for the livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, like, obviously the music itself wasn't live, but the combination of this work from, you know, this very recognizable artist and the art and a lot of very recognizable and well-known classical music, just, like, five minutes in, and I was, like, welling up. It was bringing me to tears because it was just mm-hmm. so overwhelming that way. Like, after more than a year without live arts and music like it felt like dropping a dry sponge into just a tank of water you know but like instead of a sponge it's your spirit you know yeah yeah too mm. yeah and again for us we're a soon to be married couple but we've and we've been together for a while now but we haven't actually been on many dates no <laughs> when we started dating i just started a new job which turned out to be a really bad situation that we now just refer to as the cult that i was in the cult the cult um, my favorite is just throwing that down in conversation and moving past it. And people are like, are you okay? Like, like, I wasn't actually in a cult. I just worked for a cult. Gucci. Um, but I was working like six to seven hours a week or six to seven days a week, anywhere from 12 to 18 hours a yeah, day. Insane. Did not take a break. It was rough. Um, so we didn't have a ton of time to see each other in the first few months of our relationship. Right. It felt like weirdly long distance. Yeah. Despite the fact that we lived in the same city and that this job like the cult was literally down the street like six blocks away from the apartment i was living in at the time yep. um left that job had mm-hmm. a minute to pause and collect myself but we weren't we were just mostly hanging out we weren't yeah. going on a ton of like actual dates we weren't doing a ton outside of our apartments and finally got ourselves to the point we were on a regular work schedule and had the capacity to go up dinner or like go for a drink or go to an event but that was short-lived do you get it do you know why do you get it get it quarantine yeah um we had like three weeks right (laughs) so yeah like not a ton of actual going out events in our dating history Mm -hmm. so this was definitely really special for us yeah was this was this conversation this topic like really wedding related (laughs) (laughs) but like a thing we don't talk about enough during wedding planning and wedding planning conversations is that amidst the chaos and the excitement and all the busyness of, you know, organizing venues and tastings and fittings, etc., etc., as how important it is to remember to still make time for yourselves as a couple and to do things together that make you feel shiny and sparkly. Exactly that. It's very important. Yeah. So we went and did this this week and then we went and had happy hour margaritas, which would recommend you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> very worth it. Um, yes, yeah, so this, this was a little bit of a different episode, but I think what we hope, we hope you take from it is just to like, you know, nurture your relationships, mm-hmm. make each other feel shiny, take care of each other, find, find those things that, you know, brought you together or really connected you early on and celebrate them together. It's important. So tell us about a favorite date you've been on with someone special. Mm-hmm. Leave us a comment <laughs> on this week's Instagram post that will have some images of the exhibition we went to mm. and just supplementary posts about like we'll include the cube and music selections you Ooh. might want to listen to we talked about 
Um, but that'll be on Instagram on Wednesday. We also follow up with our drink post on Fridays. But you can also tell us your date stories by sliding into those DMs at Marriage Guys is our Instagram, or send us a you know a nice story time email to marriageguys23 at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us getting up to all kinds of sporadic shenanigans mm-hmm. on TikTok at Marriage Guys, just like Instagram, um, as well as on Twitter for a nice rambling situation at Marriage Guys Pod. <laughs> for better, or for worse. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.